There are more bands than Backstreet Boys and NSYNC in the world, bro. I know! It's an abomination! Is Batman here? Bruce, what? what? They are terrible! He does feel in charge! <laughs> those, those Cavs are legit. Those are first-team All-American Cavs. This is garbage content. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. And speaking of winning, the BYU men's soccer team just won the NIRSA Club National Championship, their second in the last three years. And joining us right now is one of the captains of the team, Christian Bain. Christian, welcome to Studio B. Congrats on the uh, national championship, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. I wore my soccer jersey just for you. I I appreciate that. I noticed that when I walked in. All right. Yeah. And listen, I know it's been a week and a half, but uh, have you come down from the high of winning the national championship again in the club circuit? I guess so. I mean, it's always good to win. It's always good to, like, have those feelings and positive attitudes and good memories. So we did it two years ago. So just, like, building onto it and hopefully we win another one next year. Okay, not doing it last year. How did that play into your approach this year? Um, that's a really good question. So, like, the first year we did it, 2017, we had just ended our PDL season. That's a semi-pro league that we came out of recently. And so we went into this national championship knowing nothing about it. And I don't want to say we walked through it, but it was like we won every game by, like, three or four goals. And Didn't you win the national title, like, 7 nothing? It was 4-1. to 4-1. to one. They scored in the last minute, but we, we played well. <laughs> they were actually a pretty good team. It was Cal Poly two years ago. Um, but it was just like something we never experienced. And we walked kind of through it. And then last year, the year we ended up losing was pretty interesting because, I don't know, we kind of had that expectation of if we're going to go in and kind of walk through it again. And it's hard to get up for games that you know you're kind of the favorite to win, especially when we had the target on our backs and everybody wanted to beat us. So we were kind of playing more to not lose rather than to go and win. And there's just a totally different aspect when you play like that. Ended up losing last year in the quarterfinals in kind of an upset game. Who, who beat you? It was Florida. Florida? Yeah, and they were huge. They were like 10, 6'4 guys. And Whoa! For soccer, I'm like 5'6, so there's a, big, <laughs> there's a big difference there. And it was difficult, but um, this year the attitude was just so different of just we want to go out there, we want to tear it up, and just like go win the national championship. And it all came together, and the guys did great, so props to them. Okay, so let's walk through the national tournament. You play six games in three days. Yes. Hey, hey, little kid, soccer, like what? It sounds okay. amazing. Thursday, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you tie Texas A&M 1-0. You beat Iowa State 5-0. Friday, you beat Drexel 2-0. You beat Michigan 3-0. Then Saturday, you're in the semis. So you know it's championship day. You beat North Carolina, their club team, 3-0. Mm-hmm. And then in the national title, you, you did what Michigan couldn't in football this year. You beat Ohio State 3-1. That's correct. So... Do you have any legs by that last game? Six no. in three days is insane. Yeah, it was, that was pretty hard. I remember coming home on the plane just on Sunday, and it was just my legs were just dying. And I got to Monday, and I was like, okay, my legs have got to be better. And for some reason, they were like even worse. It was like, <laughs> I don't even know how this is happening. I'm just sitting on a plane all day. So it was difficult. It was hard for sure. And where was it again? It's Round Rock, Texas. Round Rock, yeah, Texas. 30 minutes outside of Austin. How, how was the weather? It was good. It was better than Utah weather. Yeah. So. Was it dry? Um, a little bit. It rained when we first got there, so oh, it was a little damp. But other than that, it was, it was good. Okay. Now, if BYU men's soccer were playing against the NCAA-sanctioned teams, where do you think you would fit in in the national championship hunt against those teams? Honestly, like, I wouldn't call this arrogance, but confidence. I'd say we do pretty well. Like, our spring season, we go and play, like, Regis, which is a D2 school. We've played Denver. We've played UNLV. We played at UNLV last year. We ended up losing 2-1. to one. But, like, that was a game we definitely dominated and 
could have won had we scored. I guess any game kind of goes like that. But like UNLV makes a good run into the tournament every single year, and they were by, they were by no means like better than us. And that's not arrogance, but just like if we were to play these other teams, I have full confidence we'd do super well against them. Do so you think you could compete for a West Coast Conference championship if that were the case? Absolutely. Huh. Let's talk about the title game itself. So you go down one nothing in this game. So walk me through the emotions of okay. Last year we didn't win this. Now we're down one nothing. This is our sixth game. Our their sixth game. We're a little tired. Um, and then in the 14th minute, you score a penalty to tie the game. Walk us through that. Um, as weird as this sounds, we went down, and that was the first time going down, I think, all year. We were never down a goal, like, ever. And I would expect us to kind of freak out. You know, we're in a final end up we lost last year. And it was weird. Like, we went down, and then all of a sudden it was just, like, calm. Nobody was freaking out. There weren't emotions going over, which was really cool. That was one of the things we prepped for going into the tournament, for, like, pressure scenarios. Our season, I think our closest game was five, like five nil. Like, we didn't have many close games in our season. So, how'd you prep for that? Honestly, it was just like team meetings and just like figuring it out and just being like, "Look, this is what needs to happen if we go down or if we're tied in a high pressure scenario." We did a few like scrimmages and practices where it was like one team was technically down, which is a totally different atmosphere being a scrimmage versus a game. Um, but we did what we could and we got to that point and we handled it well and i think like 5 minutes later we put a pk in the back of the net and we you did yeah <laughs> i didn't earn the pk he's a team so, guy yeah. jeremy he's a team guy absolutely uh, where where'd you go on the pk bottom left did you predetermine that oh, yeah. always right all the time yeah for keepers watching i, I change it up sometimes it's getting hot in here did, do you ever look at the keeper and go oh i feel like he's reading it or is yeah. it you know what i'm going here yeah same spot every time. Okay. Okay. Christian Bain of BYU Men's Soccer, national champion, second time in three years with us on BYU Sports Nation. Are you surprised we haven't brought up Batman to this point? We waited. Absolutely. We waited Absolutely. a minute. It's been a while, so go ahead. What do you guys want to ask? <laughs> You've heard everything, probably. I just think it's <laughs> awesome. I love your name. At, so when those films come out from Christopher Nolan, obviously Christian Bain has to be cast as Batman yeah. for this mm-hmm. to be meaningful. Bain's a character. At what point are you like, wait a minute, that's kind of like my name? A combination? Um... From the get-go, everybody was making jokes, especially when, when the third movie came out with Bane. That was when I got super big. And actually, in high school, I drove around to BMW, just an old-school beat-up um, BMW, and I bought a Bane those, mask. Those exist? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I put it in the front. We, all, my car was like known in high school as the Bane-mobile. Yes! So, yes! That's that's awesome. You bought a Bane mask. That's, that's right. Great. Is that it with you? eBay. Do you feel in charge? <laughs> nice. I will slap this penalty kick in the lower left. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Luckily, no, you like to go I'm there. glad you guys bring it and up. And we were talking about yeah. it. Luckily, you like Batman. Oh, I love Batman. If you hated Batman, it would be bad news. Yeah. In the MTC, apart from like the in-classroom spiritual stuff, I feel like everything we talked about was just Batman. <laughs> Every free conversation we got was just back to Batman. So. No, I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Now that's so. a mission advantage, right? <laughs> Talking about yes. Batman every free moment yes. you have. And that, that is awesome. why BYU dominated the club circuit because of the age of maturity. Stop. Stop. Christian, congratulations again on a national championship. Yeah, we'd love for you to sign our Sailor Coop flag. signature. Uh-huh. We want another national yeah. champions uh, John oh, Hancock on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah Hancock, Christian Bain. Kirby Hancock. He does feel in charge. <laughs> That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. And we are happy to welcome in friend of the program, 
the man who is responsible for Maddich Mondays on BYU Sports Nation, ESPN college football insider, expert, and analyst, and national champion Trevor Maddich. Trevor, welcome to the show. What in the world happened against San Diego State for BYU? No, I think the defense showed up for the game, and the offense was still at the beach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the offense had a lot of yards. I was surprised they moved the ball as well as they did, but they missed a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities. And I mean, you just look at the second half, right, crunch time. They, they go into halftime down 7-3. to three. They had five drives in the second half, two turnovers, two missed field goals, one punt. Mm. And that was the story of the game. There was a lot to break down this, too. Defensively, BYU gave up 269 yards. That was a season low. Um, it was a freshman quarterback on the other side in Carson Baker who played well enough to get the win, 13 points allowed, no turnovers. Was it more on the offense or the defense in this loss, Trevor? No, the defense was terrific. I mean, the defense was really terrific. The fact that they got no turnovers is more, I think, a function of San Diego State knowing that their young quarterback needed to play it close to the vest. The worst thing that the Aztecs could have done is given BYU a short field, given that the strength of their team is the defense, and that's how they would win the game. So I don't blame BYU's defense for no turnovers on that. I'm sure that they see it differently, but from my perspective, you know, they, they played well enough to win without question. The thing, and also, we talk about the defense. There were three turnovers by the Cougars overall and a turnover on downs about midfield. And you know how many points San Diego State scored off of those four opportunities? Zero, right? Zero points. So the Redskins, or excuse me, the Redskins, the Cougars defense did a really good job on, uh, on, on that. It was, it was the offense not able to capitalize on opportunities, and they weren't able to turn yards into points. It's another Maddich Monday. BYU finishes the regular season with seven wins and five losses. But was that most recent loss, Trevor, the worst loss of the bunch this season? Oh, no, heavens no. San Diego State's a really good team. I mean, they, they finished the regular season now 9-3, and three, including this win, and they have one of the best defenses in the country, just flat out one of the best. I actually love watching Rocky Long's defenses just because of the, the, the things that they do that are risky, but just pedal to the metal. It, it's fun to watch. And BYU defense, at, at their best, do some things that are just as fun to watch. And so, you know, it, losing to San Diego State at their place is not a bad loss at all. To me, the, the two losses that the Cougars wish they had back were Toledo and USF. But that was after that first stretch of playing Power 5 teams. No other team in the country opened the season with four Power 5 opponents in a row. BYU did, and they won two of those in overtime, for goodness sake. Then came Toledo and USF, and I think they were trying to recover a little bit. And those are the two losses that you could say were inexplicable, especially USF, because they just fired their coach. So, no, this loss to San Diego State will not feel good to BYU. The players, the coaches will think that they, they lost the opportunities to win it. But I think as you look at it, they lost to a very good team that had an outstanding season at their place. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. He's uh, had a couple of games coming off of that broken thumb. How would you assess his play the last few games and against San Diego State? You know, I think the best way to evaluate him is against San Diego State because coming back from the thumb injury, he was just working his way back into a rhythm. And you saw his potential against San Diego State. He made some great throws. And not only that, I think the 
BYU coaching staff on offense decided that they weren't going to be able to run the ball all that well, and they were right. The running game really didn't go anywhere. Matter of fact, Zach Wilson was the lead rusher. But so they put it on his arm, and he came through that way. I mean, you know, 53 pass attempts, he threw for 316 yards, uh, but those two interceptions were, were just not good. I mean, the one at the end of the first quarter was one of those missed opportunities because it looked like he had a, you know, his receiver open, wide open, not open, I'm sorry, I take it back. He was covered, but it was a mismatch in favor of BYU. And so the ball was thrown up in the air. The problem was Wilson didn't take into account the free safety playing center field who came over and picked that thing off. You know, and then there was another play that wasn't an interception, but Gunnar Romney, the receiver, again, on the right sideline, a vertical route, had to turn into a defensive back to knock it away. The defender was on the inside of Romney. That ball needed to go either back shoulder at the sideline or it needed to go over the top into the alley next to the sideline. Instead, it was thrown way too far inside. And so, you know, those are opportunities that, that they missed and, or that they presented to the opposing team. And so Wilson, Wilson has done some very, very good things. You can also see that he's got a lot of room to improve. And in some ways, that's a little scary for opponents because as well as he's played, he's not anywhere near his potential. ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. As we mentioned previously, Trevor, BYU finishes the season at 7-5. and five. When you compare last season and this season with the bowl game yet to play, do you think BYU improved? I think, yeah, I think they did. I really do. And I think there are two things especially that indicate that. One is the two wins in overtime against Tennessee and USC. Uh, that 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 is a, a pivot point, I think, in Kalani Sataki's tenure here, and gives real belief to what he and his coaching staff are asking the players to do. That that was phenomenal. The second thing is they now have a roster of of young quarterbacks that look to elevate that position beyond what it's been in recent years. And Zach Wilson will have competition to keep that job going forward because Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney have shown that they're, they're quality quarterbacks as well. And that competition will make everybody better. And I think because of those two things alone, this team has taken a step forward this year. BYU uh, preparing for the Hawaii Bowl against a team from the Mountain West or the American Athletic Conference. Do you have a team you would love to see BYU play in that bowl game, Trevor? You know, Hawaii would be the team I'd like to see. Just because it's an old rivalry, it's more likely to put people in the stands, and it'll be fun. That Hawaii offense, when it's clicking, is, is a thing to behold, and it'll require BYU to go back to the old days of the Holiday Bowl where they've got to put up points to win the game. So I think Hawaii would be a fun team. I think it'll be an American conference team, if not Hawaii. Um, and Hawaii would have to beat Boise State uh, in order to not play in that game. But if it's an, the, the American has a bunch of good teams at the top, and that could be an interesting matchup as well. It could even be Navy. Who knows? Navy playing in the shadow of Pearl Harbor would be kind of awesome too. So, you know, but overall I think Hawaii would be the most traditionally fun game for BYU. Trevor, any time a quarterback struggles at BYU, shocker, fans start to wonder, is it time for a guy like Baylor Romney to step in? And maybe Zach Wilson's thumb isn't 100%. What would you do in the quarterback situation for the bowl game moving forward? Well, I'd throw it open to competition. And I'd say whoever practiced better would be the guy that would start. 
And then I would let the other guys play a little bit if it's possible, depending on what the score is. But the reason I would do that is no disrespect to Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson has really shown a lot. He's done well. He's won a lot of games, and he's shown tremendous potential. But I think the position to elevate to the next level needs to be more throw on time to a spot and less see a guy and be a baller and drill the ball in there. And I'm not pointing a finger at Zach Wilson there. I'm just saying that all three of them, that's how to elevate the position. And I think there's a a culture establishment piece in bowl practice where, you know, you're trying to get the young guys ready to go, but you're also furthering the competition that you want to be the, the foundation of all of your practices. And I think if you put it open to competition that way, I think what you've got is a scenario where, where all three quarterbacks know that they have a chance, not just for this bowl game, but for next year. And that's important because the uh, a quarterback competition, not controversy, competition tells the rest of the team that there's, a, there's the opportunity to play your position too if you win the job in practice. So that's nothing to do with anti-Zach Wilson. I love Zach Wilson as a player. He's a good kid. And I think, though, for the, for the team, this team will be at its best when it's got two or three deep at every position that have the ability to start and win like they have at quarterback right now. And that competition will elevate everybody. And that really is a matter of recruiting. It's a matter of culture. And they've got it right now at quarterback. And I would suggest that it's that way at Clemson. You know, Dabo Sweeney is putting together, or has put together, an elite culture. But all the All-American starters that came back from last season's national championship knew from the get-go that they had to earn their starting job every day in practice, and it didn't matter what you did before. It's one of the reasons that they get the most out of their talent, and that's, that's the trajectory that BYU needs to be on. Trevor, great stuff. We always appreciate the conversation and look forward to a very exciting championship week, even though BYU's not playing. Uh, yep, it'll be. There's a lot of drama ready to go and a lot of potential chaos in the playoff. <laughs> Trevor Matichino's drama. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is The Whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Los Cougars play the Rebels in Salt Lake City tomorrow. Both teams coming off overtime games. UNLV won, BYU did not. Watch or listen on BYU TV and BYU Radio with pregame at 2 Eastern. The game's at 3. According to College Basketball Insider Jeff Goodman, the Junkanoo Jam next year in the Bahamas Sounds made up. has invited BYU to play basketball against George Mason, Tulsa, and Boston College. Okay. Volleyball. As mentioned, 14 seed BYU women's volleyball hosts Nuevo Mexico Estado tonight in the first round of the NCAA tournament, 9 Eastern on BYU TV. BYU men's volleyball, and I know you're interested in this, Jerem, as the primary voice of the Cougars, ranked number three in the preseason ABCA coaches poll, Hawaii's number one, UCLA two. Let's go. Football. Cougars will find out their Hawaii Bowl game opponent no later than Sunday afternoon. Also Wednesday, Baylor Romney told the media he will be on scholarship in January. Soccer. BYU seniors Michaela Coulihan and Elise Flake named first-team All-Americans by the United Soccer Coaches. 
Alyssa Jefferson received third team honors. It's the first time BYU has ever featured three All-Americans on the same squad. Athletics News. BYU is currently in second place nationally in the Learfield IMG College Directors Cup with 190 points, a measurement of the overall athletic prowess of sanctioned NCAA sports at every Division I university. Not bad. Women's basketball. BYU plays at Arizona State tonight. Consecutive Pac-12 opponents for the Cougars after a tough loss to Utah in Provo. Game tips at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Swimming and diving. But the men and women's teams will be competing in the Utah Invitational today, trying to atone for the men and women's basketball losses uh, and tomorrow at the Ute Natatorium. Golf. Tony Finau is currently tied for 17th at plus two at the Hero World Challenge. He's in his third round, shooting one under through seven holes. Back to you, Jerem, with a seven iron in your hand. Cougars in pro hoops. In EuroLeague play, Elijah Bryant had 12 points, three boards, and a 77-55 Maccabi win over Bayern. Okay, here we go. Our 2019 regular season projection in review. We do this every year. We make our picks about the 12 regular season games before the season starts. This is for football, by the way. And then we review how things went on the gridiron. And it doesn't go okay. well. Topic number one, Jeremy wins and losses. Okay, I said eight and four, and uh, BYU uh, lost to Toledo, lost South Florida, and lost San Diego State. Probably could have won one of those, fellas. Thanks for nothing. Now, really, if BYU beats San Diego State, you're there, man. I know. You're there. But guess what? You aren't what you think you can do. You are what you do. I said seven and five, so I nailed you got this it. one. I got it. Yay! Yay! Seven and five. You got the going for two yeah. uh, season win, but I got the season record win. <laughs> we all lose. And it means nothing. We all lose. Okay. Zach Wilson touchdown passes. I said 28. Whoa. He broke his thumb, but even if he didn't break his thumb and miss some games, I don't think he gets 28. How many combined touchdown passes did BYU quarterbacks have? 20? Hold on. I have the internet up right here. Okay. Because I said 25 for Zach. He had 11 touchdown passes. Tell me what it is. Is it 20 overall? It's 20. It's 20. That's so low. Okay. So all three quarterbacks quarterbacks combined for 20 touchdown passes. Woof. I had Zach going for 25. He had 11. Uh, But technically, I'm closer, so I win that one as well. Good job. Thank you. BYU's leading rusher in yards. I said it would be Tyson Williams with 760. Tyson Williams was hurt in the middle of the Washington game four, so he played three and a half games and ran for 264. He was on pace to go over 1,000, Jeremy. Yeah, I said Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams, 866. I thought, at the time, okay, before the season, you and I thought, Lopini Katoa, Tyson Williams, kind of neck and neck. That be, it became clear that that was not the case. In fact, Lopini had kind of got buried on the depth chart, right, a little bit, and his best game was not as a rusher, it was as a receiver against Utah State. Tyson Williams was clearly the best running back on this team. And he was going to go for a thou, a filthy. Okay. A thou. No points awarded right there because Sione, I award you no points. Sione Finau is the leading rusher right now with 359. Tyson Williams was the leading rusher for the first half of the season, and he was out for two and a half of those games. Injuries stink. This keeps happening. Uh, I tend to think that this is not a coincidence once yeah. there tend to be a lot of injuries. I Jackson just, McChesney with his 247, by the way. The schedule. His <laughs> Is uh, only 17 yards behind Tyson Williams. Why did Jackson McChesney not have a carry on Saturday? I am flabbergasted by that. I don't know why. Okay, BYU's leading receiver in yards. Jeremy said it would be Matt Bushmo 704. Yeah, exactly 704. I said Matt Bushmo 720. You're closer. You get the point there because Matt Bushman is the leader with 597. 
597 is a good number for a tight end in 2019. It is. It is. It's a really good number. So Matt Bushman's had a nice year. And BYU has three over 500, first time since 2015, by the yeah, way. Yeah, BYU's had nice distribution. Micah Simon mm-hmm. 560, Talon Shemway 539, Aleva Hefo 439, and Gunnar Romney 377. Like, it's been it, distributed all over. Yes, I would love a guy, like the guy kind of deal, and, and BYU doesn't have that. Well, sure they do in Matt Bushman. No, I'm talking statistically. Like, a guy that gets 700-plus. Like, Mitch Matthews wasn't elite to me nationally, but it was great to have that guy, right? He, sure. he was very good. It was nice to know you could throw it up, and he's going to make that catch a lot of times. Okay. Jerem, who led BYU in tackles? Uh, in tackles, we both didn't see this coming. Uh, it was Kavik Fonua, 78 in the regular season. I said Isaiah Kafusi would have 82. He had 53. His I, number. I said Zane Anderson would have 87. Zane played like a game, and then and basically he was done. Yeah, that was, that was tough. But Kavik Fonua... Uh, has made some plays, had the interception against Tennessee, been uh, been solid, didn't go up to see him, unfortunately, in one particular play against San Diego State that cost BYU a little bit there. But he's been a, been a linebacker that BYU said, hey, yeah. I know you're a running back, but uh, could you play linebacker now? Yeah, and we've learned that Zane Anderson's going to move back to safety next year and not play linebacker. Okay, I, then. We went into this season thinking he was going to play linebacker and be all over the place. Not the case. Yeah, I, I think safety is... His most natural yes, position. Yes, absolutely. That's, where, that's what he came into, right? Who will lead BYU in sacks? Um, I said Kairos Tonga would be the man. I thought he was going to have an Indomitian Sioux type of year. <laughs> he is not Indomitian Sioux or Haloti Nada. <laughs> now, when BYU runs a 3-4, it's really tough for the nose guard in a 3-4 to have a ton of sacks. He had one sack. Um, I said he would have six. So I was Samsonite. I was way off. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Falatea, uh, <clears throat> I I... Guess that uh, he would he would lead and uh, Dine Gawulaku and Lorenzo Faltea tied for two. Two, that, two is the is, sack lead. That is a pathetically low number. That's not good. But Lorenzo tied for it, so I got it. I thought okay. I thought Zoe would have a really good year, and he did, but he got hurt, missed mm-hmm. several games. Mm-hmm. Who will lead BYU in interceptions, and with how many? Okay, I we said, both totally nailed this one. Dine Gawulaku. Everyone thought. Peyton Wilgar was going to be the guy. Diane Gonwoluku <laughs> would be the guy, I said, with three. He had two, but he was not the leader. Yeah, Peyton Wilgar with his three led the team. Well, Fanua, Gonwoluku, Kafusi. There were a lot of, what, like 10 different guys had a pick this year? It was, it, BYU was really, really good at getting interceptions. So but while it wasn't, they didn't sack the quarterback much, they did intercept the quarterback a lot. It wasn't Diane. Okay. Who will have the most rushing and or receiving touchdowns and how many, Jerem? Mm. What'd you say? I said Tython Williams. He would have had at least nine. I said nine. He had three. Okay. Yeah. I said Lopini Katoa. Uh with he'd have eleven. No points awarded. Lopini had four. He was one behind the team leader Aleva Hifo who had five. Aleva Hifo had five. But Shumway Katoa Bushman all with four. Bushman with four. I want to see him with like seven plus. That's where I want him to live. I'd ideally like him to be in the ten plus range. Right? Okay. And what will the longest made field goal this year for BYU be? I said a 52-yarder by Jake oh. Oldroyd, 54-yarder against Washington. He also had a 51-yarder against USF. Remember, BYU had not made a 50-plus yarder since 2006. Jared McLaughlin. And got two, which is pretty good. I, I said 51, so I missed it. You were closer to the pin. Okay, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, with my 50. We both thought it would happen. Final okay. tally yeah. on our projections, I get three points. Jeremy got two. That is uh, really bad. And uh, typically we miss on most of these, but we still continue to do this because it's fun to see us fail. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
the best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. As promised, Yoli Childs is in Studio B the day before BYU takes on Utah, day before he officially tips off his action on the court. Hey, man, uh, this is uh, an incredible welcome, I'm sure, from fans worldwide for BYU, but let us welcome you back to BYU Sports Nation as a member of the active roster. Appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Congrats on the upgrade from the scout team to the second team on Friday now to the first team I take it this week. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been different. It's it's been really fun to to go against the scout squad guys who I've been playing with for so long and uh, it's really fun to be back out there with, with uh, the guys I've been playing with for a couple of years. What are your emotions like the night before you make your return and do it against Utah? You know, I mean just cra- it's amazing how this is set up. I'm actually uh, I'm pretty calm about it, actually. Um, I'm just going to go out and control what I can control, you know, just go play hard and try to make things a little bit easier for the guys. But I'm really not feeling uh, not feeling a ton of pressure or anything like that because I've seen what these guys are capable of and I've seen just how they've developed and, and how good of a team we are with me off the floor. So hopefully I can just go in and, and make things a little bit easier for everyone. And that's the most exciting part for me is this team went 6-3 and three without you. I, I, I thought probably five and four range given how tough the schedule they have been better so now how do you uh integrate with that group knowing okay this is a good team without me and i hope to make them better yeah i just want to come in and do the little things you know just just some of the little things that i bring that um that we haven't necessarily had i just really want to be a a force on the glass Uh, i want to run in transition set screens get guys open and just really try to make the right play i think uh, if i come in and move the ball and Try to make the right play. The right, the right thing's going to happen, and uh, the ball will come back to me. Guys will get shots where they need shots, and I think it will work out. Are you okay if we call the first nine games the Colby Lee era? Is that all right with you? That's fine by me. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it's the Colby Lee era for the next few years. So. And, and he developed in a way that he would not have, which I think is good news for this team. What do you, what do you think of his development? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was that was one of the the coolest things I was able to see in these nine games was just the development of some of these guys. Um, some of our guards having to to relearn how they were going to play and learn how to score with me off the court and uh, our spacing changed and our ball movement was great and to see some of these guys like Zach and Dalton and Colby really flourish was awesome. Zach Selyus is the leading rebounder right now and and he joked that you're going to have some catching up to do. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Oh, for sure. Zach's a a monster, so we're going to see what we can do. (laughs) Yeah, it's a monster with a mustache, no less. Yoli Childs with us on BYU Sports Nation. You talked about a few of the things that you observed in Colby Lee and some of your teammates. What else did you learn about this team while you were watching for the first nine games? I learned our our ability to bow through adversity is incredible. Uh, It's such a tight-knit group of guys, and it's a group of guys that don't let the frustration of the game get to them. You know, whether it's a scoring drought or uh, whether things aren't going right, uh, nobody really seems to hang their head. It's it's a group that really believes in what this coaching staff has taught us and a group that really believes in each other. And I just want to go in and contribute to that because it's really special what these guys are able to do together. You have a high standard. You've been a 20-10 and 10 guy, right? Um, do you feel pressure to be that guy right away, or do you give yourself a little bit of time to ease into that given that you're coming into this in Game 10? Uh, absolutely not. I, I don't feel any pressure with that. Um, I mean, stats are stats. I, I care about the win. And hopefully with the amount of scoring and everything we have, I, I don't score 20 a night. I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But I'm not really too worried about that. Like I said before, I'm just going to try to make the right play. And 
uh, at the right place for me to score, then I'll go score. At the right place for me to, to find somebody, then I'll find somebody. How do you integrate into uh, the current setup of the offense, and how much is it adjusted with you in there? Um, not too much adjustment, honestly. I think um, a lot of our, our pick-and-roll game is going to make it a little bit easier for the guards. I think just with the vertical spacing that I can bring, it'll be a lot harder for the opposing guards to, to come be that bottom man. So hopefully I can just get guys more open. Hopefully uh, TJ and Jake can get to the rim a little bit easier. And that's all I really want to do with this offense is make it easier for everybody. So if you played in the Virginia Tech game, it would have been 23. Is that what you're saying instead of at 17? Least, at least. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, a new BYU record. No, the, the guys are on fire that, that game. Was, that, that was, was crazy, right? Yeah, that was so much fun. That was amazing. And I'm glad that you bring up the phrase vertical spacing because you can attack from <laughs> vertical uh, – well, I guess let's call it levitation, okay? You know, you're the lob guy for BYU basketball, and Colby's done a lot of good things, but he, he's not the guy that you throw up a, a ball three feet above the rim and tell him to go get it. So you, you bring a new dynamic that way. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, Colby's done a lot of great things for us, and uh, he's improved a ton as a passer, so is Dalton. Uh, so hopefully I can go in and do those things that they've been able to do, um, but kind of just bring my own, uh, my own game to that too. Mark Pope, before the game on Saturday, told me, um, getting ready for the broadcast, that the, the game against Virginia Tech, specifically, I said, what went well there to get 17 threes, right? He said, the game told us how to play, and we listened. Do you feel like each game is different in that way, or are there commonalities in, in what you need to do to win? Um, there's commonalities for sure in terms of just moving the ball. Uh, when we're side to side, we're really good. Uh, when we're sticky with the ball, as Coach likes to say, we're not as good. So those are the commonalities. But depending on how teams are guarding us, there's uh, just little tweaks that we have to make in each game. So that's something we've talked about a lot as a team and that me and him have talked about a lot personally. And uh, it just goes into making the right play. You know, you don't overthink it. Understand that you understand the game. And if you see somebody open, give them the ball. If you have a good shot, shoot the ball. It's pretty simple. And if all five guys do that, it's it's a good recipe. Mark said as well, and it was really interesting, he said – I. I haven't really gotten mad at these guys for things they haven't done uh, or, or have done. It's more for things they haven't done, which is, hey, you didn't take that open shot. Yeah. Which, which is kind of fun when your coach gets mad at you about that versus something else, right? Yeah. Uh, I've always said Coach Pope is unbelievable in his balance. He does a really good job of holding guys accountable, getting us to focus on the defensive end, getting us to worry about playing hard. But then if you, if you uh, pass up an open shot, you're sitting next to him. So it gives you a lot of confidence in, in the ability to own your shot. He doesn't worry so much about makes and misses. It's about did you take the shot and own it. Yoli Childs on BYU Sports Nation getting ready for his debut against Utah tomorrow night in Salt Lake City. What do you know about the Utes in your film review and studies? you get ready for another emotional rivalry game? Yeah, they're a very good team. Um, I think they're very talented and they're a young team. And I think some of the losses they've had just can be attributed to being young. And uh, I don't know, when you're young, it's kind of hard to, to figure out how to bring it every day and how to bring it every game. And they're for sure going to bring it tomorrow. So I think we're going to see a, a very good team, a skilled team, a long team. And um, they're really good. So hopefully uh, we can get a good game from them and we can go out and, and focus on ourselves and do what we need to do. How do you feel about this week as a whole? Because it's not just Utah, it's UNLV as well in Salt Lake. Uh, an opportunity to add two more to the resume. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. You know, uh, I'm honestly trying not to focus too much about even the game tomorrow. I'm really focused on having a great practice today, getting the work done I need today, having a good night's sleep, and then I'll worry about tomorrow. And, and after that, I'll worry about UNLV. 
How are you different as a player now compared to last year in terms of what have you added to your game and, and just how is your approach different? Um, I think one of the biggest things is my motor. We focused on that a lot, running the floor, pushing on the break. Uh, I can't give away too much to Utah. You know they haven't seen me yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's but true. It's on play last year. <laughs> they felt you play last year. They watched you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really not going to give up the game plan then? That's I, can't give, I can't give up the game plan. <laughs> don't, don't do it, man. Don't do we, it. Nor do we want you to. Um, what was it like during this nine games to watch, and what, what did you learn? Because I imagine it would have been hard, like, against Houston, okay, BYU has the ball with a few seconds left. I want to be in there. But you have, you have to watch, and luckily that was a fun watch, right, with TJ Hutt. Awesome watch, awesome watch. TJ's been phenomenal, and uh, I've, learned, I've learned a lot of things that you can't really see when you're on the court. Um, you can break it down in film and stuff like that, but when you're in the heat of the moment and uh, you can watch the offense and you can watch plays made on defense, I think from a different perspective you can see what needs to be done. And uh, you can see how much better we are when we're moving the ball around. You can see how much better we are when we're locked in and in gaps and in a stance on the defensive end. So I've been able to really see the game from a unique perspective that I haven't been able to see from in a couple of years. So uh, I think it's been really good. Yoli Childs with us. And before you go, I need to ask you about your interactions with Bill Walton and uh, Jay oh, Bills yeah. in Hawaii. How, how were those conversations <laughs> and those interactions with those two notable basketball personalities? Awesome. Awesome. They're, they're two phenomenal human beings, you know. Uh, Bill Walton is a legend. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about him a lot, but he's one of the greats to ever do it. And uh, Jay Billis, unbelievable human being. Both of them are, are great guys, and uh, they both kind of get it. So it was super cool to get to talk to them. 94 feet with Jay Billis, right? A lot of on fun. The, on the yeah. sand. 94 feet, man. Yeah. Not, not a bad place to do it. Yeah, can't have a beard, Jay. Sorry. <laughs> hey, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for uh, tomorrow's game against Utah and to have a good practice today. I appreciate it. Yeah, you do play Utah tomorrow. Just a reminder. <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. For the final time in the regular season, Jerem, let's recap going for two. Can you predict the future? Yep. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, this is ridiculous that I didn't get either of these picks. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Number one, BYU will make at least two field goals. <laughs> it wasn't for a lack of trying. Come on. Come one on. for three. Come on. They weren't long field goals either. There were 20-somethings both times, right? Or okay. One of the three was outside that. But surely I'm going to get pick number two right, oh, which y- was yeah. first team to 17 points wins the game. Mm. Nobody scored 17 points. Boo. 13 to three. Why wasn't this there, game on flow football? There weren't 17 combined points in this game. Yay, barely. Okay, 0 for 2. Sorry, man. Uh, pick one. BYU will score 24 plus. Ha! There weren't 17 combined points. That didn't happen. Pick two. Zach Wilson will throw for 215 plus. Yeah. That was, San Diego State so was allowing yeah. 205. I thought Zach Wilson had a good game. Now, what I didn't anticipate that we, BYU would essentially play from behind for most of the game after taking a 3 nothing and lead. And throw 53 passes. 53 passes. Wilson threw for 316. But that was his lowest quarterback rating of the year, by the way. Even lower than the Utah game. 101. And three turnovers, two picks, one fumble. Woof. Hey, Jerem. Updated scoreboard. Uh, I still won. 13-7. Uh, 13-7. We still have one game to go. Mm-hmm. We are making every pick worth five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I already won. I won. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to make it so I could tie? No. Should we make the, no, this the last soccer, two sorry. picks in uh, the bowl game worth three? <laughs> three each. Three apiece. So, like, you would get two wrong, and if I got both right, then we'd end a tie. <laughs> 
no. <laughs> By virtue of contract, you now have 30 more seconds of to go. Contract? Like. Yeah. Really? Mm hmm. It's written? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's written. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's not written. All right. I'd like to uh, congratulate uh, Spencer on a, a season uh, well fought. Uh, ultimately, I came out the victor. Um, this, I th- is this my second in three years? I think it's my second. We, I don't know. I was too busy winning the Y factor when we still had that. Like five, <laughs> out, five out of six years. Nice. But I would like to uh, thank my wife, Whitney, my, uh, my children, uh, Ben and Tate, just for the support throughout the season. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank God for everything. Um, I'd like to thank uh, you know, Lavelle, Kalani, Gary Croton, Bronco. All the coaches um, just really appreciate the support and uh, brought home another win. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> me thanking the people in my life that matter. Bronco breaking that rock for oh, me. Oh, my goodness. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We are excited to bring on our next guest on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. He is the director of the SoFi Hawaii Bowl set for Christmas Eve in Honolulu, Daryl Garvin. Daryl, welcome to the show, and uh, nice to have you on BYU Sports Nation. So aloha kakahiaka. Um, Thanks for having me. Now that is a greeting. I, I know aloha. I didn't know the second part of that, but I'm looking forward to learning. <laughs> That's the good morning part. Okay. Awesome. Still, still early here. Daryl, just give us a taste of what the forecast is like in Hawaii this time of year. Uh, you can expect temperatures in the high 70s, um, general trade winds, and um, just, um, you know, gets gets dark around 5 o'clock, so the game will kick off in the bright sunshine, finish under the lights, and uh, just real real nice weather. Um, can't beat it. Indeed, and we look forward to being there. We're going to be there and uh, take BYU Sports Nation there and have pre- and post-game coverage, of course, on BYU TV, so we can't wait. Um, this game's been lined up for a while. I know it was, it was kind of a flex game. If it wasn't going to be a few years ago, it was going to be this year. Um, why was BYU a natural fit for the Hawaii Bowl, in your opinion? I think BYU has a national following. They they certainly have a, a good following in Hawaii, um, uh, a lot of strong support in Hawaii. I think a lot of ties over the years to Hawaii as well. Uh, I believe, um, you know, head coach Satake uh, kind of considers both Laie and Provo his hometown. Uh, it's, just, it's just a real natural fit for BYU in Hawaii. Daryl Garvin, the director of the SoFi Hawaii Bowl, with us on BYU Sports Nation. We've known for a long time, as Jerem just mentioned, that BYU is going to be in this game. Now the big question is, who's BYU going to play? Uh, we are feeling like it's a strong possibility Hawaii is in that game and would be a clear natural fit. Is Hawaii a lock in this game if they don't beat Boise State in the Mountain West Conference Championship? I wish I knew the answer because I could get a lot more work done in advance, but I don't know <laughs> the answer to that. Uh, there's a lot in play. Uh, the conferences play a large part in who who participates in the games. And so I'm somewhat of a fan this weekend, watching all the championship games and trying to figure out how the dominoes fall and who goes where. But I would say nothing's a lock at this point. Is uh, the Hawaii Bowl in a certain spot in a, in a pecking order, or does it just kind of depend on what shakes out? I think it depends on what shakes out, and we're unique this year in that we were going to get two teams from three different sources, the Mountain West, the American, or BYU, 
so it's kind of, you know, we're still trying to figure out that other side, and there's two players involved, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. Is Hawaii the best option for business, given that they'd be in their home stadium? Hawaii fans are the only ones that uh, can drive to our bowl game. We're, we're unique in that most other bowl games you can, you can get in the car usually, and, and depending on how far you can drive. Being on the island, um, us in the Bahamas Bowl, um, you know, we're, we're kind of limited. So for business, yes, um, Hawaii fans can drive here. Visiting teams have to fly here. So, Daryl, I know you said there are a lot of pieces still moving, and we're all going to watch conference championship weekend uh, with a few raised eyebrows for a number of reasons. That said, what other teams are in play besides Hawaii to potentially match up with BYU? Well, if we look at the American Athletic Conference and you look at their bowl-eligible teams, um, you know, there's Memphis on the other side, SMU, Navy, Cincinnati, Central Florida, Temple. I think they're all, you know, they're all in play as we head into the weekend, uh, along with the University of Hawaii. Uh, and if you look at those American Athletic teams, uh, pretty impressive records. Memphis and Cincinnati are, are playing in their championship game this weekend. Uh, but you have SMU at 10 and 2, Temple at 8 and 4, Central Florida at 9 and 3. So some pretty pretty exciting possibilities as we head into the weekend. Would Navy not be somewhat of a natural fit given the Naval Academy's imprint in Hawaii and Kenny Matalolo? Yeah, I, I think Navy would be fantastic uh, to play in our game. I'm not sure if they have an arrangement with the Military Bowl, which is played in their stadium. I'm not 100% clear on that, but Navy would be a, would be a welcome addition to the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. Is there much of a chance it's a Mountain West team not named Hawaii? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, again, nothing would surprise me, uh, but I don't think so. Daryl Garvin with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Christmas Eve in Hawaii, besides watching football, and the days leading up to that, what can BYU fans expect to do as this uh, bowl game ramps up? Well, for the fans and, and for the teams and the players and that making the trip, we, we try, to, um, try to do a little bit of everything. So culture, education, charitable activities, fun. Uh, you know, we have our, our, our luau on December 21st, which, you know, music, dance, um, traditions throughout Polynesia, and, of course, the food is, is fantastic. Uh, the players will get to go to the USS Arizona Memorial. Uh, the players will also do a charitable visit to Kapiolani Hospital for Women and Children, but we also do an outing to our water park, Wet and Wild, here. And... Quite frankly, it's you know one of the most iconic uh, beaches in the world to be to be sitting on Waikiki Beach with Diamond Head off to your left as you watch the sunset. Uh, you can't just can't beat that for relaxation and uh, things to do. Sitting on the beach is still one of my favorite things to do. Uh, Daryl, we're getting very excited about this. <laughs> yeah, our weather stinks here, so we're stoked, Daryl. There, there are not gentle trade winds in Provo, Utah, right now. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. So that's why I made the choice many years ago to move out here. And <laughs> Well done, you. Hey, thanks for taking the time with us on a Friday, and uh, we wish you a, a fabulous rest of your Hawaii Friday morning. 
I appreciate it, and uh, hope to see you guys out here. And well, we got 18 days till kickoff. All right, uh, we're counting down as well. Daryl Garvin on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Fantastic. Really looking forward to the uh, Hawaii Bowl, and uh, I've never personally been to Hawaii. I know you went for what the first time two years ago. Yes. So that's awesome. Looking forward. As to soon it. as he said gentle trade winds, yeah, I was, I was like, like, ah. I'm in. And <laughs> not looking forward to the red eye out of there to get home for Christmas morning, but yeah. Worth let's, it. Let's party. It's time to play and one. Picks, predictions, and one mm-hmm. on BYU Sports Media. Brought to you by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Here's how it works. Jeremy and I both make two picks. If you get the first one right... You have a chance, just like you do in a real basketball game, to get one more with a free throw. But you got to get the first pick right to have a shot at that second one. Well, it's called and one. My first pick worth two points. BYU win by seven plus. I did not see a line out on this. I know BYU is a favorite, but I think BYU wins this by seven plus on a neutral court. I'm gonna and to, one. I'm gonna have to look at the Ken Palm ratings to see what uh, he predicts. Yeah, what does he predict? And my and one pick, Yoli Childs will have a double double. I think he'll get above the ten boards in this game, and obviously ten points. Okay, that would mean he's healthy the whole game. Okay. Yes, that yeah. assumes yes. he's plays. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this seems kind of weakish, but that's why it's my one point. Okay, my pick to lead us off. I'm going to best you by three points here. BYU by 10, Jeremy. I think they win by double digits. Tim Pump says nine points. And one. TJ Haas will have a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Mm. It will be a stark contrast from what he did against Utah. Five turnovers. That, will, three not, assists. that yeah. will not happen again. He'll have a two assist to one turnover ratio That'd tomorrow. Be good. Yeah. It needs to happen. He, he's going to have a nice bounce back game tomorrow. Those are our and one picks. Updating the season score, Jerem has a combined 12 points. Um, you were up big. I've uh, slowly kind of fought my way back. I'm it was 12-7. 10 points now. And Jason didn't make picks, and I don't really care. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I'll make picks for Jason tomorrow. There will be a rebel cheer at some point. No, stop. In uh, Vivint Smart gar- Home Arena. This is garbage content. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have real content Fine. to get to. I, I, okay. We have sponsored content to get to. I will stop. Pay the bill. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. What happened in San Diego? BYU's defense plays dynamite. Yeah, they give up 13 points and a disappointing touchdown right before halftime, but only 269 total yards for San Diego State. BYU's offense throws 53 passes and have over 400 yards and manage three points. What happened, Jerem? Well, you, you said it. Topic two. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, San Diego State's defense was as advertised. They were top 10 in uh, rush defense, points, and total yards, right? 269 yards is a season low allowed for BYU's defense. And 13 points is the second lowest allowed. So I pin this one on the BYU offense a little bit. Yes, the defense could have forced a turnover, but San Diego State uh, had three takeaways. Didn't score off any of those takeaways. So it wasn't like those cost BYU big. Certainly they ended those drives. But you mentioned it. BYU gained over 400 yards, 416 yards, three points, which brings us to a dumb stat of the day. (laughs) It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Since the year of our Lord 2000, four teams have gained 400 or more yards 
in a game and scored three or fewer points. That's in FBS. Uh, BYU at San Diego State, one of them. Uh, BYU versus UNLV in 02 was one of them. BYU's the done it twice out of the four times? In, uh, I guess, 20 seasons now, right? So thanks to Jake Edmonds for that stat, by the way. Uh, inefficiency in the red zone cost BYU as well. There were three trips for BYU. BYU had three points. Not okay. Field goal kicking, huge issue right now, BYU. Uh, has missed eight of the last 13. So no bueno. Five of 13, and that's after BYU missed one field goal in first 11. First 11. <laughs> and then nickname gate happened and things fell apart. Oh, it's all nickname's fault, right? No. What happened there? Yeah, missed field goals. BYU did turn the ball over and didn't create a turnover, but I'm not so much worried about the defense not creating a turnover because you knew San Diego State was going to be ultra conservative with their. New quarterback Carson like, Baker. As the honor code is, San Diego State's defense is, or offense is, right? Does that make sense? And give the kid credit. He made some plays. He made some throws. Cre- credit given. They didn't ask him to do a ton. Yeah. So I'm not again, I'm not concerned that BYU didn't create a turnover because I, you knew it was going to be conservative. It was more red zone inefficiency for BYU. Yep. You got to score a touchdown on that first drive. Yeah, punch it in. Let's go. Punch it in. Punch go it in once. Seven nothing. Can you punch it in once? And can you make some field goals? Two of those field goals were easy. No, they, they, yeah, we're not asking about a fifty-five yarder. Although BYU did try to line up for a fifty-two yarder and then had a delay of game and had to punt. Now, what's amazing is even if Skyler Southamont won for two in his first two field goals. It's 13-6, to six and BYU is driving to potentially tie the game late. Oh, yeah, and they yep. get into the red zone again, but you got to score twice because you're down 13-3, but you don't even have an opportunity because you miss another field goal, so you can't even attempt an onside kick. So San Diego State, and then you look back at uh, you know, South Florida, BYU gets into the red zone and, and unable to punch it in. I thought BYU had improved in this regard, but <sighs> yeah, this is a frustrating one. L- listen, San Diego State's good, but BYU was Way better than what they showed, yes. right? You are what you do, though, and that's a disappointing finish to the regular season. Snaps the five-game win streak. BYU hadn't lost to San Diego State in uh, six straight games, right? There was a nice winning streak there as well. We thought some magic was going to happen in that particular end zone where the Holiday Bulls had yielded so much, uh, so many incredible plays, but alas, it did not happen. You're minus three in the turnover battle. You missed two very short field goals. And, by the way, San Diego State special teams were outstanding. Their punter really affected the average starting field position for BYU late in the game. And so, yeah, what happened? Special teams, uh, miscues for BYU and turnovers. Yeah, not enough offense to me. BYU football had a 7-6 and six record last season. Now in 2019, BYU sits with a 7-5 and five record after the regular season. Spencer, did BYU football take a step forward? Unequivocally, yes. The first time that BYU's had a winning record against rivals in the Kalani Satake era. They beat Boise State. They beat Utah State. And they beat Utah State convincingly in Logan. Wins over two currently ranked teams in the college football playoff poll over number 24 USC, over number 20 Boise State. BYU beat a team in the Eastern Time Zone that finished with a winning record for the first time since 1994. They've only had two of those since Steve Young was a junior quarterback in 1982. I mean, winning at Tennessee, beating USC, beating Boise State, sounds delightful, doesn't it? Seven regular season wins compared to six last year. The first 
five-game win streak in three years. BYU had a winning record at home for the first time in three years, and they did all of that with three different starting quarterbacks. So, yes, BYU took a huge step forward this season. Amen. I have nothing else to say. (laughs) Topic three. (laughs) I know it's only one win, but yes. And that's what's weird, right? It feels like BYU's kind of similar to last year, but they're not at all. BYU beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin Wisconsin was 8-5. They didn't finish ranked. They weren't like that good in the end. That was a really good win. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't the same as beating USC or Boise State. Those wins are better than beating Wisconsin. They are. When you look at how that team has, has fared, BYU has defeated two top 25 teams. You know who can't say that? Utah. Utah hasn't defeated a team that's ranked in the top 25. They lost to USC. That's the one loss, right? Is Utah a better team than BYU? Uh, 100%. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an idiot. I'm stupid, but I'm not an idiot. BYU is, is better than last year. Yet they didn't take as big of a step as I was hoping they'd take. Beat San Diego State, and it feels very different. Eight, maybe nine wins is very different than seven. Seven was only fine because, one, BYU uh, went 4-9 the year before, and two, played a freshman quarterback the last seven games. That's why it was okay. If all things are just level and equal, last year was a failure. Seven and six, what? It was because of 2017. Now in 2019, it's like, okay, BYU did some good things. But how can you lose to South Florida and Toledo, but beat USC and Boise State and Tennessee? That is the question that we may not be able to answer, or maybe we know the answer and we don't like it, in 2019. Didn't Georgia lose to Mississippi? I mean, weird no, things to South to Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay, even worse. <laughs> things, weird things happen, right, in college football. But they, but they only have one loss. Like, it's different. They're not 7-5. and five. <laughs> My Every, point yeah. is, you can, you just, it's so unpredictable. You just don't know. That's why or, it's fun. Or... Well, it's not. No, it's not fun to lose South Florida and Toledo. That is not fun. No, it's fun to beat USC and Boise State, though. Yes, as an underdog, the good and the the bad. Why can there be less bad? Can BYU have a meaningful, relevant football season? They haven't in a a long time. You would say this is not a meaningful season, even though it's progress. At seven and five, I would say it's not that meaningful. Even though we just listed everything that they did that they have not done in the recent past. Yeah. No, BYU seven and five. See, in I'm what very, way is I, that see, meaningful I'm, or relevant? Because you who, won at Tennessee and who you beat USC and going, Boise State. Who nationally is going, man, BYU 7-5, that was awesome. I'm not saying people are excited about 7-5, and five, but people did notice that BYU yes. beat Tennessee, Boise State, and BYU, USC. BYU is great at flashes in the pan. Hey, you beat Wisconsin, but then you lose these games. I'm waiting for BYU to have a season where we go, hey, see, BYU is a really good football program. Right now it's like we're just good enough. Good enough. Oh, man. Does everything change because of one loss at San Diego State? Because your team was very, very different for the past month. I'm just tired of single-digit win seasons that aren't even nine, by the way. I'm 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 just tired of that. I'm not going to celebrate seven and five. I'm not. Okay. Seven more years as a member of the Worldwide Leader Conference. Brett McMurphy of Stadium Sports put out the initial report. 
that the Cougars and ESPN are finalizing a deal that would broadcast all BYU football home games through the 2026 season. Jerem, what does this reported new deal with ESPN mean for BYU? It means BYU has a reason to stay independent. If BYU's not on ESPN, I don't know that BYU should stay independent. Just join a group of five, right? But when you're with ESPN, uh, it means you get good games. It means you are in a better financial situation than you would be um, in a group of five conference. We believe that BYU gets more money out of its TV deal and gets to keep all the bowl money, right? At the end of the day, BYU's in a better spot um, that way. I think the main reason that BYU is independent is because of ESPN. It's to be on ESPN. It's to be connected to ESPN. They help BYU with scheduling. They help BYU with bowl games. Those are awesome things. And BYU feels like that's better than being in, say, the Mountain West or even the American Athletic Conference. Those are like the two viable options, right? Um, the Cougars can stay divorced from a conference and hope a suitor notices and invites them to a Power 5 league if and when there's seismic shifts and Power 5 invites. I don't know that there actually will be, but BYU's holding out hope that there is. Um, it also means potentially ESPN+. Plus. I don't, I don't know the terms of the deal if and when this becomes official. It feels like when, right? Um, not if. But it's good. BYU has chosen this path to be affiliated with ESPN, I don't believe BYU would be independent without ESPN. And so it's great that they're going to have a second deal now as an independent team. Now, when you say ESPN Plus, you're making reference to will a home game be on ESPN Plus in the future, correct? Yeah, BYU doesn't control the road games. Exactly. So not worried about that. Because I know the people are like, yeah, that was terrible, Toledo. BYU had nothing to do with that. Yeah, BYU's TV contract concerns home games only. And uh, we'll see what role BYU TV plays in that as well. Yeah, we think it means more money for BYU than every other group of five school gets for their conference's television deal. So financially viable? Sure. Nationwide exposure and access for BYU fans to find the Cougars on TV. And hopefully that means access to ESPN will continue on BYU and we have our rebroadcasts and all of those deals that go down, all of the details within that. Opportunities to make statements on national television. It's fun when BYU can beat USC and beat Boise State. It's even more fun when it's on ABC or ESPN straight up and that happens because more people see it. More pe- it's fun. It's fun when more people see it. More people see it when you lose, too. But the opportunity is there, right? Yes. ESPN helps BYU lock in big games, even on the road, even some of these games. Like, go back to 2009, Oklahoma. The reason BYU played Oklahoma in 2009 was because ESPN said, hey, come to Jerry's World and play this game. We'll have a top-20 showdown to kick off the college football season. They've got a great relationship. That will continue. And a bowl game every year that BYU is bowl-eligible although I hope they don't announce which bowl games they are. ESPN owns a bunch of bowl games. Why not just leave it out there? Because I think it makes it more compelling and more interesting when we don't know the bowl game that BYU is locked into once they get to six wins. There are too many conference affiliations to not lock it in beforehand and probably in You think? Because that league needs to know, oh, we're not in that game, BYU is. For example, the Hawaii Bowl this year. Some other league would have been in this game, not BYU. Yet last year, BYU didn't have a contracted bowl game. We didn't know, and they figured it out. Did they not? So yeah. why couldn't they do that in the future? Well, if you're BYU, hopefully you have a bowl game, right? <laughs> like, you have one lined up. The They're re- guaranteeing that they will have one. The reason BYU didn't have one is because the Poinsettia Bowl went away. That's why. They would have had one. They had one originally. They in 2017, they didn't have one either. Yeah. So Well, they didn't have one because they didn't make one. <laughs> 
Hoy was called for 12 more fouls. Utah shot 14 more free throws, made 11 more. Did refs cost Bioy the game against Utah? Here's what Mark Pope said when asked about the officials after the game. I thought the officials were amazing. That's probably the best crew that's ever set foot on the planet. And I'll tell you this, a really brave and courageous crew. I mean, that crew, I would take them every single game. They're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) The best crew that's ever set foot on the planet. That is an all-time soundbite. All-time. We're going to play it later again. Every time so the officials come into the determination of a future BYU basketball game, <laughs> that soundbite will be a thing. You can't find a guy for that. No. It's because well was it sincere or sarcastic? Or I think it's obvious. But. <laughs> okay, so did ref, fans are talking about Did refs cost BYU the game? No, I think that Yoli Childs leaving the game is more of a factor. So I, I don't know. I'm going to give the majority of the reason BYU lost the game to Yoli Childs not playing in the second half. But it didn't help that T.J. Haas fouled out on a very questionable charging call with a few minutes left in the game. And at that point, BYU was in big trouble because your two best players are gone. Your two most impactful players, I should say, are gone. Jake Toulson was great. He carried the team. But T.J. Haas makes the whole team better when he's on the floor, and they took him out of the game. Um, T.J.'s got to figure some things out mentally to to stay in those situations. I I don't know. You can... We can micromanage everything and be like, oh, well, you probably shouldn't be aggressive when you have four fouls. Let them play. That was a bad call. So I I think the officials did BYU a serious disservice fouling TJ Haas out of the game. And uh, I know there was disparities in the free throws, but I'm not so much concerned about that as as just it was tough to watch TJ leave the game on a call like that. Yeah, refs did not cost BYU the game. There's 40 minutes for it. BYU's up by 16. Did the refs help BYU get that lead? Did they what BYU no. shot themselves into that lead? Yes, exactly. Now here are the issues that are controllable to me. Utah had sixty-two points in the paint. Sixty-two. They were getting right at the rim. Utah shot fifty-eight percent. That's what they do. They're fifth nationally in effective field goal percentage. They're third in two-point percentage. By the way, sixty-one percent. They get to the rim. BYU had trouble. Uh, switching, they were getting into mismatches that weren't advantageous for the Cougars. Transition defense, like the uh, shot we just showed, uh, no resistance until inside the three-point line from BYU's defense, sometimes in the paint. Ryland Jones, three to tie the game. He gets wide open. By the way, Utah is three of 17 up to that point from three. Um, and let's talk about this for a moment. BYU does have an opportunity to win this game at the very end. Alex Barcelo had a chance to be the hero. BYU now one for three uh, in potential buzzer-beating shots. I don't think that any of the three were great shots. I think T.J. Haas' shot was good given how much time that was left and the situation, and he got a nice roll. If he doesn't get that roll, BYU's own three, right? Boise State, Jake Toulson took the shot. Unfortunately, it was an air ball, um, and it was fading away. Alex Barcelo, they got the switch they wanted. It was a fadeaway. Bounces off the rim. I think it needs to work on its sets in the final moments of games because this is three times where BYU had a chance to get at the rim or drive and kick and get a nice uh, straight-up, squared-up shot at the buzzer and have not had it quite yet. Luckily, T.J. Haas' shot went in at Houston. Yeah, no question there is frustration with the officiating at times. Yeah. okay, They're not going to cost you the game, though. the officials... Didn't turn the ball over 20 times. 20 turnovers. You're BYU right. BYU turned the well, ball over 20 times. Well, the officials did turn it over a couple times because when they call a charge, okay, it's turnover. Okay, so BYU turned the ball over 17 times then. Whatever. How many of charging yeah. calls there were, I'm not sure. But yeah. 
BYU needs to take better care of the basketball. Yep. The passing was not great, especially in the second half, and the fast break points that resulted from that. How does Utah, 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 Utah is not a fast break team. They are not a tempo team at all. They never have been under Larry Kriskoviak. For them to have 31 points in transition, are you kidding me? That, that's a crazy number. Yeah, That might be crazier than the 62 points in the paint. It's hard not to feel frustrated if you're Mark Pope, so you can understand why he said what he said. No, that was sincere. What are you saying? <laughs> what are you talking about? But I guarantee on his list of things that need to change, there are five or six things above his concern about the officiating. Right. Someone asked him some positives to take away, and he didn't have an answer. No, he said, I need to watch this film. After the moment, He was yeah, trying, he, but yeah. that's really tough. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. And hey, did you notice who was in that picture, in that promo right there? Yeah. It was the West Coast Conference Player of the it Year in Women's Volleyball. of the Year. Her name is McKenna Miller, and she is so kind to join us this morning in Studio B. McKenna, welcome and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always like to find out how the players find out they receive these awards. So where were you, and how did you find out about it? Um, I had woken up, like, t- and then 10 minutes after I woke up, I got a call from Heather. And I was like, why is Heather calling me at 9.30 <laughs> uh, on a Monday morning? Were you like, concerned? No. Okay. Here's the other thing. I went back and I watched our Pepperdine game because Karch Karai was commentating and I just wanted to like hear his wisdom the whole time. And he'd said that it was me and the middle from San Diego were finalists. And I was like, what the heck? I didn't even know they had finalists. Like and they don't, just in his opinion. Yeah. And I was just like, is that I was like, I don't know. So I guess that's when I knew it was like a possibility, but I still San Diego won conference, their middle's an amazing player. So I was like fully expecting me to not get it. Okay. And then when Heather called me, I was like, that could be, like, I was like, she doesn't normally call me at 930 on Mondays, but then she called to tell me, and that was how I found out. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. And what does that mean to you, to be the player of the year as a senior? Um, It's nice and all, but I know it's not really me getting that. It's all credit to our team because I wouldn't be able to, I don't know. I got player of the week a couple times, but I don't think I deserve it any of so the time. So you're not taking thought, any of the individual credit, McKenna? No. You're taking none of it? None of it. Because, <laughs> like, we have our pass. I only play front row. I don't even have to do the hardest job, and that's passing. So we have our passers who get Whitney and system who sets me, and it really is, like, I'm really humbled to have gotten that, but it wasn't something I was expecting or, like, oh, I, my, I need to get player of the year. It just kind of happened but I think it gives a lot of credit to our team because really they earned that award with me I would hope that they give you like some certificate or something like with 90s printed (laughs) edges on it like congrats I don't know (laughs) if I get one I'll let you know (laughs) and we'll hang it up here exactly I was gonna say we can put it in studio b uh what people might not remember is that you do this after you have a significant injury late last year you tear your ACL and you come back and you're the player of the year um, pretty remarkable stuff. Walk us through the path of getting healthy and then uh, getting back to full strength. Um, it was a tough one for sure. Like people see this side, like winning games and stuff, but no one was there in rehab when I was crying, having to bend my knee or something. But um, 
BYU, I've always said, like, tearing your ACL sucks, but if you're going to do it, like, BYU is a pretty good place to do it because the resources that were available to me made all the difference, and I got so much support from my teammates and coaches, and then the physical therapy and our weight trainer, Terrell, just, I was in rehab the day after my surgery, and I wanted to die, but now that I'm out of it, I'm really grateful that I just kind of sucked it up and went through it because it helped me get here. And that happened in November last year, yet you were ready to play and never missed a match this season or anything. How did you get ready in time for the season, and are you fully recovered from it? Did you ever? I, did, I guess we've never talked about it. Yeah. Um, I think I just was tired of sitting out for so long that I just was kind of like itching to come back. I thought it would be more mental of a challenge to trust my knee again, but I just was so bored of just kind of <laughs> sitting there and like volleyball is one of my favorite things and playing it with my best friends is like dream come true and so me not getting to do that was really hard and so I think that kind of just helped me I honestly didn't worry about my knee at all once I just had my brace I kind of trusted like I'm good to go and I trusted all the work that I'd put in and I just was excited to play again I didn't even think about doing something to it I'm having one of those surreal moments that happens when I look back on the first time we interviewed a young athlete at BYU, and you were a freshman. You were third-team All-American, for that matter, but I had the same feeling with Fred Warner when little Fred came in and he was 17 little years Freddie old, Warner. and now he's balling now up he's San with the San Francisco 49ers, and now here it. you are. You, know, you, just, you were little, and now you're the West Coast Conference Player of the Year. What are your emotions like uh, going into the final few games of your career at BYU? Well, there's at least six, there's six games left, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. I think senior night, I just was in denial the whole time that it could have actually been my last game at the Fieldhouse because it's been my life for – four years it's just the same routine and then after the game I was like oh my gosh like that really could have been my last time and I wish I like appreciated that more and I knew we were kind of a bubble team for the tournament and so for me I was more excited just seeing the number 14 next to our name because we know we can play anybody anywhere it's exciting finding out who's in our bracket but for me I just was really excited to see that I would get another chance to, and not, we all would get another chance to play at the Fieldhouse. And we'll discuss the matchup with New Mexico State, potentially Utah in the second round. We'll address that in a moment as well. Heather Olmstead told us that you and Mary Lake, uh, who have become best friends, that you started coming to camps when you were about freshmen. When did that relationship start to begin? Um, I think we clicked at our camp. I was either 13 or 14, and we just hit it off because we were the little babies kind of on the upper court. And... We are both from Southern California, so we played club volleyball tournaments together all the time. Same team or different teams? Different teams. But, but we, you would see each other? We would see each other. Did you ever play against her? Yeah, a couple times. Did she dig you effectively like she does um, now? I didn't hit to her. <laughs> <laughs> you were smart <laughs> enough not to hit <laughs> that direction. Um, but yeah, even when Mary graduated early, her dad came up to one of, to one of our club tournaments when Mary wasn't playing, and our families have just been super close since then. When Mary tore her ACL in high school, I went to go visit her with Goody Basket, and mm. we've just, I don't know, just naturally flows. This so, goes way back. Yeah, yeah and yeah. She, she graduated early then? She graduated a semester Came here in early. January, I guess? Yeah, so she, her, she of tore her, senior her ACL year. her senior year, and so she came up here January so that she could start doing rehab and stuff to Man, be ready. I didn't realize that. How would you describe the relationship you have with her? <laughs> Symbiotic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We just... <laughs> We're, I feel like, so close now that it's like we can just look at each other and we're like, yeah, I know. 
like we just that's a couple times where I'm mm. like I just she's like I know I'm the same and like you don't have to say anything we just kind of get it and I think you guys should host a show <laughs> no I think it'd be really boring because there there are moments <laughs> like that where we look at each other and it's like okay I'm saying you take us to break I don't have anything here or whatever I right? can give Jeremy a look and he'll be like oh Spencer doesn't know what's coming <laughs> happening next yeah. yeah that's fun right to yeah. engage it's fun in just that, having right? that and I feel like our experiences we just were together for so long like we were playing as freshmen which is kind of a lot coming in and just going through all these experiences together and being seniors now having different responsibilities in other years but still being able to have each other through that's been really awesome she's the mc hammer mckenna miller oh it's been a minute since we brought that out as dubbed by your family right they literally on our senior letters they apologized that's hilarious oh my goodness (laughs) until now yes hey by the way tournament matches this week you get new mexico state and heather Holmes had talked about uh their 19 match win streak when she Mm -hmm. talked to us earlier this week and she's uh preparing for a significant challenge what do you know about new mexico state at this point like you said we know they're on a run they swept out the conference tournament they have the conference or player of the year so we know they're going to be good and we know they're going to be feisty and i think we're just excited to play someone new and get the challenge of seeing how we match up against them. Do you feel like you can beat a team coached by Michael Jordan? Because that's the name of the head coach. Oh, I remember you saying that. Um, I'd hope so, because that'd be really cool to say. I believe we can, and then just one we day. Beat Michael well, we Jordan. beat Michael Jordan. We beat Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> Uncle Mike. Um, every match is important in the NCAA tournament, obviously. The season on, is on the line, right? Um, how is it different playing in Provo in an NCAA tournament match? Because you've done this, what, I want to say every, eight times yeah. total, right? We've done it every year that I've been here. Yeah, um, and, and BYU hasn't lost since the 90s at home in an NCAA tournament match, and that's because of what? I think just the field house is really special. People everywhere can see that. We just have awesome fans, and I love how close they get to be to the court. People have like suggested us playing in the Marriott Center, but never. I think I would hate that because never. everyone's just far. So I love... Just the like tight crowd atmosphere and how loud it gets, and seeing all like royal blue or whatever just looks really cool. And the rock is awesome, and season ticket holders, everyone, the field house is really cool, and lucky to be a part of it. Well, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Thank you. And hopefully Saturday we see BYU. Yeah. that'd be fun. Just see BYU in there, okay? Yeah, yeah. BYU. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get BYU in there. Shout out to your family. Love your family, <laughs> your grandpa especially, who oh, prints man. out pictures sometimes and brings them to me. And uh, gave me a pocket knife and gave Jeremy a pocket knife, and I still haven't given it to you. I need to get that to you. I was like, he I got He gave Alex a pocket knife the first time I brought him over, too. Your husband. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. husband. Yeah. <laughs> Who's on the men's volleyball team, Alex That's Austin. how you know you're in the circle of trust yeah. if you get a pocket and knife. And now you're Polynesian. That's pretty awesome. Well, yeah. Cool. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank again. you. Sort of. Thank you. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time to play Hashtag This. BYU Sports Nation says Hashtag This. Man, I feel like we haven't done this forever. It's been a long time. Hashtag This presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Jerem, Hashtag This. Bring it. BYU women's volleyball in the NCAA tournament this weekend. Hashtag streaking. Is that okay at BYU? Uh, 21 uh, straight wins. Okay, I was going to say, please NCAA explain. Tournament. I have stories for days. A roommate <laughs> by the duck pond. Anyway, 21 <laughs> straight over 25 years. It was only wearing a bear head. It got weird. 
that that is tremendous for BYU women's volleyball. They've been so good at home over a long time, whether it's in the NCAA tournament or not, but in the NCAA tournament, BYU has risen to that occasion. Hashtag Sweet 16 or bust. There's a new standard at BYU. It is going to at least the Sweet 16. And frankly, the seniors deserve to win their final matches at the Smith Fieldhouse and get BYU back to another Sweet 16. That needs to happen. Uh, the fan in me is uh, largely coming out when I say this, but I want nothing more than to see McKenna Miller, the West Coast Conference Player of the Year, and her best friend Mary Lake, not to mention two other notable seniors, win their final game in front of their home fans. Like It, it needs to happen. So and I want it, the hashtag. Likely be against Utah. We'll see with Illinois yeah, and Utah. It, I feel like it would be a major bust if BYU doesn't get to the Sweet 16 based on all of the circumstances. Defend home court. Let's go. Yes. Yeah, let's yes. Go. All okay, right. second one. Uh, hashtag this, men's volleyball opening the season ranked third. Hashtag expected. I thought BYU would be a top four team. In fact, I thought that might be as high as number two. Granted, they went 13-12 and 12 last year. So, enough here. so to go 13-12 and 12 and still be ranked number three, they're bringing back a loaded roster. Cannot wait for men's volleyball to get underway. And hopefully they get... Uh, a crack at the NCAA tournament again. They're in that final six. Yeah. Hashtag, I wrote the same thing as you wrote, which was expected. Oh, okay. That's a long hashtag. It's hard to digest. Yeah, expected. Uh, I thought BYU would be third. Um, Long Beach State lost a ton of guns. Uh, Hawaii returns three All-Americans. And uh, BYU returns everybody but Taylor Richards the libero. So BYU is going to be good. They're going to be in the mix. I predict they'll win the MPSF. Let's go. And for the record, we did not talk about these. So No, 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 we don't. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Same hashtag. Okay. Super. Next, hashtag this. BYU third-string quarterback Baylor Romney being put on scholarship. Hashtag no-brainer. Uh, he wasn't. Joe Critchlow was. So I wonder if BYU, what the situation will be with Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. Um, you know, with Jaron Hall, it is quite, the question for Jaron is, do I continue to play football, right? He had multiple scholarships quickly. I hope he does. I think he's really good. Gamer. I, th- I think he'd be a guy that could be a starter and be good for BYU. Like, and I think there's going to be some competition at this position, given how this year played out. Hashtag, it's about time for Baylor Romney. He has earned it. He deserves it. I'm super happy for him. Baylor Romney, Jaron Hall, and Zach Wilson are all capable quarterbacks, capable of winning and starting against good football teams. Boise State, Utah State, they got it done. I really like the quarterback depth. It, it's about time Baylor Romney got his scholarship. Hashtag this, Yoli Childs in game number two. Hashtag, don't cramp my style, please. No more cramps for Yoli Childs. The Cougars need him to be healthy. And if they're going to win by 10-plus against UNLV tomorrow, Yoli Childs got to play the whole game. Like he, he is dynamite. He was so good in his first game back. It was like a storybook start for him with a really crappy ending because of cramps. I mean, BYU is cramps away from beating Utah and being 7-3, and three, and the whole narrative is different right now. Hashtag pickle juice. Hopefully Yoli Childs can figure it out. Um, I know he was, he was stretching and trying to get fluids and whatnot, but have you seen those calves? I can see why he cramps up. Those, those calves are legit. Those are first-team All-American calves. On to the next. Hashtag this. Fred Warner as the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. Hashtag play is going to play. Fred Warner has become a tremendous player in uh, year two in the NFL. He's developed. He wasn't a middle linebacker at BYU at all. In fact, rarely if ever played middle linebacker here. Uh, Sione Taki Taki became a middle linebacker. But, man, Fred Warner, amazing. 
Hashtag Pro Bowl lock for me. Fred Warner is a Pro Bowl player in year number two. He can go to Hawaii as well, like BYU. He might be a Super Wait, Bowl player. Wait, where's the player. game this year? I have no idea. Fred Warner might be a Super Bowl player in year number two. Well, well, I'm saying it's either the 49ers <laughs> or the Seahawks, you would think right now, coming out of that side. Maybe the Saints, Maybe unless, the Saints the, yeah. unless the refs get them again. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jason, there are clearly two definitive moments in recent BYU-Utah basketball rivalry history. Both iconic, but which is the most iconic. Is it Jimmer Fredette finalizing a 32-point first half with a half-court shot against Utah in the Huntsman Center? Or is it the dunk heard round BYU Sports Nation by Yoli Childs all over the Utes last year in a convincing BYU win? What do you have? Which is the most iconic? This is very difficult. This is like choosing between children, okay? I'll give you some background. Jimmer's half-court buzzer beater shot was my ringtone for a while, okay? (laughs) I had Greg Rubel's call. I could have gone to that game. I decided to do pregame back at the station. What were you thinking? I I I said, quite honestly, I don't want to have to go up to the Huntsman Center. I don't want to go there. So I didn't go. And then I missed that. But I've told this story before. The ringtone, as I mentioned, uh, was on my phone. Uh, was at a baptism. Forgot to mute my phone. <laughs> and not during the actual baptism, but by, during one of the talks, Greg Rubel's call of Jimmer's half-court shot goes off. Uh, so that, <laughs> that's how much I love Jimmer's shot. I'm surprising myself. I'm going with Yoli's dunk. What? I'm going with Yoli's dunk. Really? You talk about an a that was the better play, okay? Okay. You talk about a okay. moment though. Frozen in time, that moment of the dunk. We all have <laughs> that dunk. We had it on our phones. You we you me and Jerem have a poster of it in our office. I'm going with that. I think the moment of the dunk that was captured, I think is the is the bigger moment. It is the greatest still frame photo in the history of the rivalry. For sure. For sure. Vote.byutv.org if you would like to sound off. Which is the most iconic moment in the BYU-Utah hoops rivalry? Jimmer's buzzer beater back in 2011 or Yoli's dunk at Vivint Smart Home Arena one year ago in a BYU win? Vote.byutv.org to sound off and join the conversation. Jason, I'm going with Jimmer Fredette's half-court shot. We're talking about the greatest single half of any basketball player in any BYU basketball game ever. 47, right? He had 47 points in the game, 32 in the first half. 32, and he hits nothing but the bottom of the net from half-court. And then his reaction after is a lack of reaction. It's like, all right, what's next? Let's go to the locker room. Let's talk about it. Why are we only up by nine points or whatever it was? <laughs> like he just had like no emotion, and that added to the luster of the moment for me. Thirty-two points, and everybody was paying attention to Jimmer at that point. Jason, you had Utah fans that were cheering that shot. Like, whoa, yeah. When does that happen? Seriously, there are no Utah fans cheering Yoli's dunk all over the Utes. <laughs> that's for sure. Okay, Jimmer for debt. 
had stolen the nation's attention. I remember where I was. I didn't even see it live. I was driving to a high school basketball game in Palm Desert, California, and I got a call from my weekend sports anchor, Greg Lee. What's up, Greg? And he said, dude, did you just see what Jimmer Fredette did in the first half against Utah? I was like, well, I've been listening to it. He's like, no, no, no. Did you see what happened at the buzzer? It's incredible. It's going to be all over SportsCenter. He's not a BYU fan, but people were paying attention. That's why that is the most iconic moment. Look, people, like as good as the dunk was, not a ton of the world saw that compared to Everybody was paying attention to what Jimmer Fredette, the eventual national player of the year, was doing. Look, I, there is no wrong answer to this question. You're probably and right. I shocked myself by not going with Jimmer. You know how yes. much I yes. love the Jimmer, okay? But yeah, for, for me, like that, and maybe it's recency bias, I don't know. But there was something that galvanized recently that galvanized basketball fans, and it was the still frame of that <laughs> dunk. It was unbelievable. Oh, it's amazing. And so that, that's kind of why I went, with, I went with that in terms of the, that moment captured. Uh. <laughs> Watching it, I mean, it is just the best. It is the best. There's a reason why it was my screw, my uh, my phone uh, backdrop for quite a while. The and pass I'm by most TJ people. too. The pass by yeah. TJ was outstanding. And then you have the royal blue on the red I and know. the contrast. I know. Oh my goodness, that was awesome. <laughs> We've watched it like 28 times in a row. And it, there's no reason to ever not watch that. Why would you watch anything but that? Holy cow. Vote.byutv.org if you would like to sound off. Which is the more iconic moment right now? Jimmer's buzzer beater leading the vote 56% to 44%. We thought this would be close. Yeah, there's, like I said, this, this, is, this is not easy to choose between the two, and you can't go wrong with either. Either, both of them is the right answer, quite frankly. Now, before Jimmer, the iconic moment for me was Robbie Reed shooting like a 25-foot three-pointer in 1994 as a freshman to beat Utah in the Huntsman Center. Yeah, so to beat, I think Jimmy Soto was the opposing point guard. Robbie Reed in 1994 was the moment until Jimmer did that, and then Yoli hopped into the conversation last year. And before that, Ainge, coast-to-coast? Did he go coast-to-coast against Utah? Not against Utah. I'm just saying, just, oh, just in, like, like an iconic, iconic moment. moment. Period? Yes, period. Like in bas- for I basketball. I need some help. Are there any other iconic BYU-Utah basketball moments? Because the three that we just talked about are the three on top of my right The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You know who else is back besides us in Studio B? The head coach of BYU Women's Volleyball, Heather Olmstead, who is now carrying a number 14 seed with her team into the NCAA tournament. Sixth time in eight years you've had a seeding nationally. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Man, loved your reaction, by the way. So walk us through that. Walk us through the moment when you see BYU pop up as a national seed. Yeah, you never know each year to year when they're going to show the seeds or how they're going to release the bracket. So when we saw... BYU and the 14 next to it, we were super stoked. That was the reaction you see online, just excited to see your name, hosting, have a seed next to your name. And so that, that was exciting for our team to be able to celebrate that. How uncertain were you that you might not host? Yeah, we were a bubble team for hosting. So no idea what the committee's going to do, what they're going to look at, what they're going to value. Really liked our team resume that we'd put together, what the team has done all year. And so 
all we could do was just sit and wait. And so I'm very proud of the girls for the season they put together and they get rewarded with a seed and, and the, the chance to host this match this Friday. It's been so long to when you weren't sure whether you were in, which is a different experience, right? Oh, is our season continuing or not? Um, and that's validating for the program is you're not worried about whether you're in. You're worried about what seed you get, and it's validating that you yeah. get a top six. The, more, the longer I coach, the more I realize that, that that feeling is pretty similar, whether you know you're in, you're not. Just the excitement of where are we going to land, who are we going to play, where is it going to be? For me, it's all the same butterflies. It's all the same excitement. It's just a little bit different. But if you're not excited about Selection Sunday, you know, something's wrong. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I remember last year, uh, Stony Brook got BYU in the first round. And their reaction was like, ah, it was hilarious. Like, yeah, we're excited to be in, but oh, my goodness, yeah. this is BYU. Uh, I, I haven't seen New Mexico State's quite yet. But uh, New Mexico State is the team that uh, is, is a champ, is in the tourney, and everyone's good in the tourney, right? Absolutely. They're on a 19-match win streak. Uh, I know the coach well, Michael. Jordan, good guy. Michael Jordan? He's a good guy. My He's uncle? a good coach. Their team is, is well coached. They're, they're on a win streak, and they were undefeated in their conference, uh, and they swept their opponents in the semis and the finals for the WAC tournament. So they're a very good team. Um, we're fi- finding more and more about them every day. So I like that matchup. Um, a lot of respect for him and his team, what he's done. It's going to be a great match for us. You have to respect a dude named Michael Jordan, right? Absolutely. I named my son Tate Michael Jordan just in case we want to go that route. There you go. Depends how good his jump shot is. I like to think about this if all 64 teams were seeded, kind of like the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And I know regions play into this, so it's a little bit different, but it's kind of like a BYU is a four seed versus a number 13 seed to Mexico State. So, yeah, they are, they are a good team. You, you expect a huge, a huge challenge from them. They're a conference champ, and uh, they're – well-versed in playing in the NCAA tournament. They were here, uh, I think it was, was it 12? Uh, they, I think so. We hosted them mm-hmm. in 12 here, and we played them in 14 at their place. So I think it's going to be a great matchup for our team. And then in the second round, the winner of that match gets Illinois and Utah. So potentially BYU-Utah in the second round again. The Utes were pretty good, and uh, it's pretty interesting that they are in the same bracket given that they were a top-20 team this year as well. Absolutely. I think it's four great teams coming to battle, and everyone's excited to be in the tournament, and we're excited to host. And it's going to be a great match, uh, the 4 o'clock match with Utah and Illinois, and then us with the 7 o'clock, and, and we're excited to see what happens and how it plays out. Is there any level of comfort since you've been a host at home to where, okay, we're used to this, my players are used to this? Yeah, absolutely. We, we have our... Uh, blueprint for how we're going to work and navigate this week, and that's an advantage us. And uh, our biggest challenge is bringing along the the freshmen and teaching them how it's done, and that's exciting for our returners to be able to help out there. What does it mean for your seniors in a very special senior class to have at least one more opportunity to play at home? I'm so happy for them, McKenna, Mary, Riley, and Key, to, to be able to to play in the Smithfield House in front of Cougar Nation one more time at least, and, and if we're lucky enough to, to play again. But I think they they know the drill and they're excited to be back Friday and get to play on their home court. So I, it's it's a, just a tribute to them and all their hard work and and they did some really good things this week and or excuse me this year with some big time wins and so credit to them. Remind me, is this a situation where the NCA puts down a different floor for this? Or Not you yet. Play on... No, we'll play on our floor. Gotcha. Yeah. Is that in the Sweet Sixteen? Yep. Or... Okay. Yep. The, gotcha. the the hosts for the Sweet Sixteen have a kind of a different floor. Right. And uh, you get to play on the Terraflex, which yeah. is the best floor there yes. is, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. BYU women's volleyball coach Heather Olmstead with us on BYU Sports Nation. We talked briefly about a potential matchup in the second round with Utah. If it comes to that, how do you feel about that, renewing the rivalry in a single elimination tournament? Yeah, I think anytime you're in the tournament, 
you're excited to be playing whoever's next up for you. So really, we're just focused on New Mexico State and playing this Friday against a good team. And from there, we'll, we'll move forward. But really, we can't look any any further than our, our matchup on Friday. And uh, I just think the tournament in general is an exciting time of year. Do you have to prepare for all three teams because it is such a short turnaround? You do, yeah. How do you manage that? Yeah, we have a, a schedule that we're sticking to as far as scouting each opponent and being ready. Uh, obviously, New Mexico State is our priority, and then being able to put time into the other two opponents when, when you have it and making sure you're ready to go by the time that match starts on Friday. All right, Heather Olmstead, uh, let's give you some uh, BYU Sports Nation karma. You've been here a lot recently. This has been good. Like I think you've got like a ton of karma going <laughs> on right it. now. Like it. So we're, yeah, we're oh, no. excited Soak for it this. In. Yes. Soak it Feels in, man. Good. Take it. Run with it and enjoy it. Thank and, you, guys. And, and for those that are interested, if and when we get the rights to show those matches, we'll let you know. Great. We're yeah. Applying. Oh, you know we'll yeah. apply. We will oh, apply. Oh, it's already happened this morning. We're just <laughs> waiting. We're the just application waiting. is in, baby. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks, Thank you guys for having us. The BYU Cougars are 6-4 and four going into the final non-conference games with Yonavi in Salt Lake, Nevada, Utah State in Salt Lake, Weber State, and Oral Roberts. So BYU does not leave Provo or Salt Lake for a game the rest of non-conference play. The point of the season is to make the NCAA tournament. Can we all agree? Or not. So does BYU need to win all five of these to get an at-large bid? Should BYU not win the West Coast Conference Tournament? No, BYU is still in the first half of the season. That said, they do probably have to win four of the five. I don't think the Cougars can afford another loss on their non-conference tournament resume because of what happened against Utah. BYU needs to beat UNLV. They need to take care of the other Silver State competitor, Nevada, at home. And the Cougars Those two could fight. Look out. Definitely need to beat Weber State and Oral Roberts. So, at worst, BYU needs to go 4-1. and one. I think that they will, at worst, go 4-1. and one. But, man, that Utah State game looms large because if BYU beats the Aggies in the Beehive Classic, also at the home of the Utah Jazz one week from tomorrow, then that's one less quad one win that BYU needs in conference play. Then BYU would probably have three if you combine Houston, Virginia Tech, and if, and it's a big if, the Cougars can beat a very good nationally ranked Utah State team. It's just one less big win that BYU needs to pick up against St. Mary's or Gonzaga. Take some pressure off of yourselves. So BYU doesn't have to win all five, but if they do win all five, then man, they can play a little bit more free and not have essentially their backs to the wall against St. Mary's and Gonzaga in the WCC. Yeah, I don't want BYU to have to do anything, right? Um, Hopefully they can just continue to add nice wins and go into Vegas and get to Tuesday night and feel like they're in a decent spot. We're going to be nervous no matter what on Selection Sunday because we're making some gross assumptions. We don't know that Houston and Virginia Tech are going to be quad one wins. We really hope, and they have been the last several years, but there's no real guarantee. Gonzaga is going to, and St. Mary's, we know those road games are going to be quad one. Those, like St. Mary's will be top 75. We pay attention to them more. Uh, yeah, I agree. BYU's got to get at least four. I do think, though, that BYU needs to get the Utah State win. I, I do. I, I think they need to get that if Utah State's as good as people think they are, and I'm still, the jury's still out on that for me. Um, they've strong start to the season. Nice win against LSU, who's a good team, right? And they're 8-1. Their only loss was a close one at St. Mary's. Utah State's good. Um, I don't know that they're like top 20 good, but that could be a quad one game, right? When all said and done, that's great. I think BYU needs to get that one. Do, do they have to get the final five? No, but I think if they do, they're in a great spot. 11-4, you'd have some real quality wins. You'd have an opportunity to go into conference play uh, on a roll, right? Yoli Childs is back to only losses a game in which he cramped up and you lost in overtime on the road against a rival. So you'd, you'd feel okay about that. 
Because football and basketball are more similar than we think now, by the way. So football goes up and down extreme, right? BYU's lost to Boise State and Utah in, in overtime, and those were close losses where if they win, it swings things, right? They're not as bad as Toledo and South Florida. But the idea of some good wins and some head-scratching losses exists right now for BYU basketball. Let me clarify something. We collectively believe that BYU, with five quad one wins, would be almost that's, a lot for a the good... NCAA tournament as an at-large. I'd have to look at it more. I don't, it, it, yeah, it, it depends on how many you get and what percentage of games you get. That would, at worst, I think, be half of BYU's quad one opportunities. I'm nervous about saying BYU is a lock as an at-large. I think that BYU is a lock ways. with five quad one wins. Yeah. If they beat Utah State, that would be three going into WCC play. I think by the time March rolls around. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.